1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. Prosecutors have announced charges against the father and son suspected of starting the Caldor fire, which destroyed nearly 800 homes last summer. Cap Radio's Scott Rod has the details.
0: The criminal complaint charges 66-year-old David Scott Smith and 32-year-old Travis Shane Smith with reckless arson, but it doesn't specify how the two allegedly started the fire. They also face weapons charges tied to the possession of a machine gun and silencer, but it's unclear if those charges are related to the arson allegations. Defense attorney Mark Reichel maintains his client's innocence and says the investigation has been unfolding behind the scenes for months. You know, they've known that the DA's office is investigating them since August. They searched their house a couple of times. The complaint includes a series of enhancements that could compound any punishments faced by the father and son if they're found guilty. That includes allegedly causing injury to an emergency responder as a result of the fire. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rodd in Sacramento.
1: The coronavirus is spreading fast in L.A. County. The region is now back in the CDC's highest category of transmission. The spike comes in the two weeks since Thanksgiving. KPCC's Jackie Fortier explains.
0: Los Angeles County health officials warned of the beginnings of a winter surge as new coronavirus cases totaled slightly more than 1,700 on Thursday. That's up from about 1,000 cases a day in mid-November. We have moved from substantial transmission back to high transmission. Barbara Ferrer is director of the L.A. County Health Department.
2: If, as we suspect, this increase in cases reflects transmission that took place
1: during holiday gatherings, we should consider this an early warning about the upcoming
2: December holiday.
0: The troubling trend of rising cases is also reflected in the number of hospital patients with the virus, which has risen to 666 people, an increase of 98 in just one week. Ferrer implored people to use the hundreds of free testing sites throughout the county and to get vaccinated or boosted if they haven't already. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles.
1: In the face of a tough election, Devin Nunes announced he is stepping down this week. He's a Republican congressman in the Central Valley. He's not the only one giving up his seat. He joins at least two other California representatives, Democrats Karen Bass in Los Angeles and Jackie Speer in the Bay Area. KQED Politics editor Scott Schaefer looks at what that loss of seniority could mean for California's clout in
2: Washington. Just before Thanksgiving... Bay Area Democrat Jackie Speer said it was time to leave Congress. No one's indispensable. It's time to transfer the torch to a new generation of leaders. During her 13 years in Congress, Speer developed a reputation as a champion for women, using her seniority to hold Pentagon officials accountable for decades of sexual assault in the military. But she acknowledged this week that it took her a while to feel effective in Washington. Certainly seniority is a key component of how Congress operates. Seniority determines committee assignments, including the ability to chair important committees and just having the experience to know how Congress works. That's what gets lost when a veteran legislator retires. But, Speer says, If you do your homework, if you're competent, if your colleagues see that you are sincere and committed, you can gain traction pretty fast. Congressman Ro Khanna represents parts of Silicon Valley in a district south of Spears. Five years ago, he knocked off fellow Democrat Mike Honda, an incumbent with 16 years of seniority.
0: The biggest thing that seniority does is allows you to build relationships. And that's something I didn't appreciate as much uh, before i got to congress
2: he says while relationships built over years of service are helpful congress needs more than experience it needs fresh blood especially now this week spear endorsed democratic assemblyman kevin mullen to replace her Mullen acknowledges if he wins, he'll have his work cut out for him. There is just a a basic reality
0: that when you come in uh, as a rookie in a seniority system, you really have to work your way up that ladder. So there's no replacing Jackie immediately,
2: but, as New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has shown, even a freshman member of Congress can have an impact, especially, as Ro Khanna notes, if they know how to win attention.
0: If you're not savvy about social media, if you're not savvy about cable me- news, if you're not savvy about the media and mobilization... I would argue you're not going to be a very effective member of Congress.
2: Even with veteran departures, California's congressional delegation will still have plenty of clout, including Bakersfield House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Speaker Nancy Pelosi, unless she, too, decides to step aside. For The California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
0: Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. I'm Jason Flom, and you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home.
1: If you want to be part of this work,
3: listen to Wrongful Conviction. The
0: podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories.
3: How do you send someone innocent to prison?
0: Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: An environmental group is trying to stop the use of fishing gear that can harm whales and other marine life. A federal legal petition calls on the National Marine Fisheries Service to require crab, lobster, and other trap fisheries to convert to gear that is essentially ropeless within the next five years. Right now, ropes dangle between the traps on the seafloor and buoys on the surface of the water. Kristen Monzel is legal director of the Oceans Program at the Center for Biological Diversity. Way too
3: many whales have been getting caught and killed in recent years, and crab and lobster fishers are still using 19th century technologies, despite new alternatives that could eliminate entanglement.
1: The Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Association is contesting the petition, arguing that ropeless technology is not only hard to get, it's unclear how well it actually works. Many Mexican immigrants in California are transported back home when they listen to the band Los Angeles Azules. The band's romantic cumbias were born in Mexico City, Barrios, but eventually they made their way to sweaty dance clubs in Los Angeles and far beyond. Now a few of the band's songs have a billion clicks on YouTube. This morning we're joined by Kate Linthicum. She's the Latin America correspondent for the Los Angeles Times. Good morning, Kate. Hi. So you recently saw Los Angeles Azules live. This is a group that's six brothers and sisters, and they were on their 40th anniversary tour. What struck you about the music?
3: So I've loved this band um, since getting to Mexico, where I live uh, five years ago. It's, It's the music people put on at a party to get people dancing. It's music that is just sort of infectious. And when I heard they were doing this 40th anniversary tour in the United States, it seemed like this great opportunity to see what this band meant to migrants, you know, and and how it kind of might help connect them to Mexico. And people were very, very excited to see the band.
1: Your article kind of captured a lot of nostalgia in your writing. Was there a lot of that brewing in the crowd? Absolutely. I mean, this is a band that's
3: been around for 40 years. And so people have these long, you know, really deep rooted kind of memories of them. And for a lot of people I spoke to, you know, who've been living in the US for a number of years, and many of whom, you know, can't go back to Mexico or to their countries because of their immigration status, this kind of transported them home. And Yeah, it just like brought them to a pretty beautiful kind of emotional space.
1: Are there spots in California where their music is especially popular communities here in our state?
3: Yeah, I mean, they sold out both of their shows in L.A. They played the Central Valley um, throughout the Inland Empire. I mean, they had more than 10,000 people at their show in Ontario, California. The cool thing is, is it's, you know, even though this band has been making music for a long time, they've kind of reinvented their sound in recent years and done a lot of collaborations with kind of more mainstream um, Latin artists. And so you have a lot of younger fans, too. So that was one of the things that struck me, was that you had like grandparents, but also teenagers, um, and everybody was singing along and, and dancing cumbia in these arenas.
1: Would you say then that there's kind of a cross-border cumbia conversation happening from our side of the border to the other side of the border and back again?
3: Yeah, I'd say it's like across the the entire, you know, region. I mean, Los Angeles Azules are huge in Argentina. And then, yeah, now there are like, you know, Mexican-American pop stars who are all want to collaborate with with them. There are people, you know, reggaeton artists in Puerto Rico that want to, make songs with Los Angeles Azules. So yeah, they've really kind of transcended borders for sure. And, and even, as I said, kind of generation and time.
1: What's your favorite song from the band and why? Oh my God, that's a difficult question.
3: <laughs> I really love them all. And hearing them live like three nights in a row is just the biggest treat of my life. But Como Te Voy a Olvidar is like the m- sort of most like pull at your heart strings Aching love song about, you know, how am I ever gonna forget you? This spurned lover, kind of just really getting kind of emo about it. The melodies, the accordion hooks, it's all just so irresistible,
1: and that's the one that sticks in my head more than anything. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Kate Lithicum is the Latin America correspondent for the Los Angeles Times. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. Today, a look at the gig economy and how it's changing work in all kinds of businesses, from Uber to Instacart to janitorial companies.
0: Congratulations, you've just become entrepreneurs. You are now independent contractors.
1: Chrissy Clark is the host of Marketplace's documentary podcast, The Uncertain Hour. She'll introduce us to Jerry Vasquez, a guy who had high hopes when he started a new job back in 2007. The gig was for a commercial cleaning company called Janpro. His first night as a janitor was at a childcare facility that served more than 100 kids, many
2: still in diapers. Open the door, you turn off the alarm, you turn on the lights.
1: When he headed to the bathrooms to start cleaning, he had no idea what he was in for.
2: There's like a bomb of poop all over the place, being all over the place.
1: And garbage bags full of diapers, so heavy you had to be careful getting them out of the trash bins.
2: Because if you try picking up the plastic bag with all the diapers, the bottom's going to rip.
1: Plus, dried food and milk and juice caked onto the floor. Of course, there are lots of hard jobs in the world. Jobs that make your body ache, that have long hours. But there was something about Jerry's job that made it that much harder to bear. Something he discovered when he looked closely at his first check. He was making?
0: Maybe five bucks an hour?
1: Five bucks an hour. Below federal minimum wage. And way below the minimum wage where he lives in California, which was $7.50 an hour back then.
2: You worked all these hours, very hard work. And at the end of the day, you're getting chump change. You're basically just barely making it.
1: How is it that a worker in California in the 21st century could get stuck in a job making less than minimum wage? That's this week's California Report magazine on your public radio station or on the podcast. And finally, winter is back. Skiers and snowboarders can celebrate. Although the best stuff won't pile up till next week, it's still looking pretty good this week. In the last few days, 10 delicious inches of snow fell at Mammoth Mountain and in Tahoe, Palisades, a.k.a. Squaw Valley, has received eight inches in the last 72 hours. Several other resorts are reporting one to two inches. More could fall over the weekend. And that's the California Report for Friday, December 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Seal Muller and Jim Bennett. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. I'm Leslie McClurg in San Francisco. Thanks for listening.
0: Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org adaptingcare. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. I'm Jason Flom, and you're Maggie Freeling. Hey, Jason. Every day we learn about another person who shouldn't be in prison. 58 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So glad you're home.
3: If you want to be part of this work, listen to Wrongful Conviction. The
0: podcast where we hand the mic to innocent people to hear their stories.
3: How do you send someone innocent to prison? Listen to new episodes of Wrongful Conviction with Maggie Freeling and Jason Flom on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.